0: There is uh, there's often a structure that comes with church. Maybe you grew up in a in a church where you knew the structure and how it would flow every Sunday. There would be a certain amount of songs and then announcements and a song and prayer. Or even now, I mean, even though we're fairly unpredictable here, there's still structure that goes with this. We have a worship set. You know, we're going to be singing songs. There're going to be prayers that are prayed. We're going to share the bread and the cup every week. There'll be an offering. You're going to hear a word. Uh, A sermon. uh, and, And if we're not careful as a church, any church around the world, what can happen is we get so fixed on structure that though we don't say it, we want the spirit of God to submit to our structure. Here's the structure we've created. Here's the system we have. Here's what we do when we come together on Sundays and we need the spirit to submit to this. I hope that we are becoming a church that we're living into something different where we want structure to submit to spirit uh, so, whatever it is we do on a Sunday morning that we 're craving God in a way that we 're providing space for the spirit of God to transform and form and shape and un- unleash His power upon us. Uh, it gives me some ways to pray this morning. I think about the three interns who were up on this stage for Madison, for Nick uh, for for Brecken So grateful for these three people who come from three different colleges to service this summer, and I, I want to press on this church. What I told you last week is I want to challenge you. Uh, sometimes interns come and we know they're going to be pouring life and time and energy into children and into students and so much of what they do. But I want this church to take upon yourselves the challenge of pouring into these three leaders, future leaders, current leaders, that this will be a summer that we will be loving them in a way that they'll remember the experience of Sycamore View for years to come and the role we played in their spiritual development. Uh, and and I don't know about you. I just I, this morning feels weird. Like I, our power went out at eleven o'clock. How many of you lost power last night, just so events? Um, a basketball goal fell on my car last night. All right. Uh, which, I mean, it's yeah, it kind of cracked the windshield, and I know that's a, kind of a big deal. I need, I need to get it fixed at some point. But I, so the bad news is a basketball goal fell on my car. The good news is I'm a 36-year-old white guy who touched a goal, a rim of a 10-foot goal this morning, all right? That's, that's really good news, all right? Sometimes that's how we got to do it. Um, uh, but I know, I mean, the, the, some of us may be without power for a few days, and people in our city and people we love and people we are serving may be without power. Uh, And, and I don't know, I just felt this morning in this church, it's energy level was low and I, that's not an indictment on anyone. I mean, it's a, it's a holiday weekend. It was a weird night driving in this morning. I saw trees that were down and, and uh, people were texting me beginning at 630. Are we having church? Is there power at the church? And I mean, I, I, countless text messages. It said stuff like, most of them would go, Hey, uh, is there power at the church? Because we really want to be there. We love Sycamore View. We need your sermons every week. You're our favorite preacher. Um, (laughs) Actually, they just said, you know, is their power? But what I heard people saying in the text message was, uh, so it just feels weird. And sometimes we equate high energy with the movement of the spirit. That's not always the way it works. Sometimes we trick ourselves into thinking if we just create energy, then it means we're close to God, and, and that's not it. I, what I want this morning as a preacher and as a leader is for God to have his way with us through the stress through the weird night that some of us may have had. So before I go any further, can we just pray together? Can we close our eyes, bow our heads, and maybe you open your hands where you are. For God, as we prepare to hear a word from you, just carve out, and carve out space in our hearts today to receive it. Whether we're prepared or not, just open up a space in us to hear a word from you today. God, I don't want it to sound too cheesy, but I thank you, God, that there's no power outage in your character. We don't have to worry about that. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, God, if there are ways that we have become so attached to structure that we have uh, just created something in which we want you to submit to the structure we've created, will you, will you break that down? Will you come with your power just to form and shape us, to do more than we could ever ask or imagine? I pray that someone in this room that May 28th of 2017 will be a day of a fresh awakening, a fresh outpouring of your spirit upon them, a day that they can remember for years to come as a day that they made some new commitments with you, that they said no to sin, no to certain relationships, no to certain unhealthy emotions. And they've chosen today that they're taking a new way with you. And if that results in people confessing Jesus as Lord for the first time and being baptized, we want to celebrate that. And if it results in someone just turning their life to you, to live for you in a new kind of way. We just want to support them and cheer them on as they do that. So, God, uh, may the, your spirit form hearts into the image of Jesus Christ through the words of my preaching. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Uh, last week, even if you weren't here, let me just do a quick recap. All right, we're in a series called Core. I, I just wanted to take five weeks where we're, we are revisiting. The, the core of what it means to be a christian of our church our mission our vision There's a core there are these concrete convictions that should not move and one of them last week I talked about is the word of god and how we study it and how we know it and one one thing I did And let me just go through images today because last week I had this whole stage full of props And if we'll start with that first image, um, I, I talked about the image of one way We eat meals. and Let me just talk about eating meals again real quick uh, one way we eat meals is we sit down at a table casey and I were both raised in families where we did this quite a bit Probably four days a week. We're at a table with our families eating together Uh, even if you didn't grow up in a family that does that I think you know the significance of how relationships are formed over a meal whether it's in your house Whether it's going to a restaurant we sit down at a table We take our time to eat and we engage in conversations while we do it, but it's not the only way we eat Some of us eat in cars. Uh, we just finished uh, baseball Uh, With our two kids so we're driving to the fields and from the fields a few nights a week And there were some nights where we had no time to cook so we would rush through chick-fil-a or burger king Just something just to grab food There are times I do this and i'm running home and even though it's I get the food and I have a Eight minute drive to get to the house, you know There's the bag and there's that thing of fries and let me just eat one But can you really only eat one fry? You know what i'm saying? Uh, uh, But sometimes this is the way we eat. It's not the only way we eat we grew up in a family where every once in a while we would pull out the TV trays and we would sit in front of, a, of, of the TV and we would watch a show or we would watch a movie together. We were together as a family. We were laughing, joking, maybe talking a little bit, but we're also watching something. Uh, today it would be Netflix, but we're, we're engaged in something else. And then another way we eat is there, there are the snacks and um, uh, the candy jars. I don't know if you work in an office where there's the jar of candy. There's the jar, jar of some kind of food. People bring something by uh, for, for birthday parties, anniversaries, and there it is. And, and you just feel like you would be a bad person if you walked by it and you didn't partake, right? So it's there and you do. Uh, and then another way we eat occasionally is there is the delicacy. There are those things in life that you don't eat all the time. It's occasional. Uh, it's not all the time, but Occasionally, when Casey and I go on dates, our dates end at the Cheesecake Corner. We get some cheesecake. I rarely get a chance to eat cream brulee, but every once in a while, it's really nice. And there are those things you eat that you only eat every six months or every year. All right, there are these different ways that we engage with food. And the question I gave you and the question some of the life groups, if you're meeting today, that you'll talk about again is when it comes to those five images that I just placed in front of you from a dining room table to eating in the car something fast because you know you have to eat, but you got somewhere to be with the TV tray where there may be a couple of different things going on at the same time, snacks, and then something you eat every once in a while. Which one of those best describes how you read the Bible today? In May of 2017, which one of those best describes how you engage the Word of God? Do you engage it in a way that you, are, uh, you have a regular commitment in your life, that you're sitting down feasting on the Lord? Sometimes the best we have to give to God, and what God wants of us is, hey, you've got somewhere to be from point A to point B, but instead of taking that two minutes in between, where you flip through your phone to check out Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, how about you take two minutes just to feast on a verse from the Lord? Sometimes it's the best we have to give, and it's what God is asking And every once in a while there is the time where maybe you need an extended period of time throughout the year, where it's not just five minutes you're giving to God, but it's you're taking an hour, you're taking maybe a weekend, a day, where you're devoting yourself to transformation, just like that little piece of creme brulee or cheesecake you get every once in a while. God shows up in all these different ways that we eat. So it's not just the dining room table. It's God inviting you to learn how to feast because the Bible does say, taste and see that the Lord is good. The Bible doesn't say, nibble and see that the Lord is good. You taste it, you devour it, you take it in. All right, so I'm sure there have been times before you've been in a group setting and someone has said, well, what do you prefer? Do you prefer Coke or Dr. Pepper, right? Coke or the drink that we know Jesus had in the first century, which was Dr. Pepper, all right? Uh, do you prefer mountains or, or the beach? Um, And and I guess in your spiritual life, uh, do you prefer praise and worship where there's singing going on or the Bible? In your spiritual life, do you prefer prayer or Bible study? Not that these are right or wrong, it's we're wired differently, we connect with God differently. And I want to spend another morning where I talk about the Word of God and what it means for us to feast on the Word. Because I think anybody in here, if I ask you the question, uh, is it a good thing for Christians to read the Bible? I think it would be unanimous that we would say, yes, we need the Word of God. Uh, yet sometimes our habits don't prove that. Did you know with Christian millennials, a study was just done a year ago, with thousands of Christian millennials. Now, millennials are defined born from 1984 to 2002, 18 and over, all right? Just think about that. People 18 and over in a survey, and they were asked to rank spiritual disciplines. And Christian millennials said Bible study was the number one spiritual discipline that was most important to spiritual development and health. Yet when it came to how they practiced spiritual disciplines, the Bible reading was third. So even Christian millennials, younger people are saying the Bible is important. You need to read the Bible, but sometimes practice doesn't show that. There are verses in our, in our Bible, stuff like Psalm 119, 105, that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it talks about how all Scripture is God-breathed. It's inspired by God, and it's used for, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. Right, and, and I could spout off a few other places throughout the Bible where the Bible affirms the Bible. I, I don't word, use words a lot like inerrant, uh, and it's not that I'm against those words. I just I want, How does the Bible talk about the Bible? And the Bible talks about the Bible in a way that this is the guide. It's the Word of God. It's the Spirit breathing life. It's, uh, it's the Scripture that's God-breathed. And it's God-breathed so that it can equip us. So last week, what I did is I walked you through John chapter 5 because I wanted you to see how Jesus talks about Scripture. And in John chapter 5, verse 39, after this long a chapter of Jesus healing someone and then the religious people upset about the healing because it wasn't done in accordance with the law. It was done on the Sabbath day. So someone had been set free and people didn't want to embrace the freedom. And in John five thirty nine, what Jesus says, and I think this is so applicable to those of us who were raised in some more conservative churches, though some progressive churches are just as guilty of this. Legalism isn't just for those who are conservative. Legalism can be on the progressive side just as much as the conservative side. And what Jesus says in John 5, 39 is you search the scriptures. You read the Bible because you think that through it you gain eternal life. But it's actually through me that you gain eternal life. Jesus is not telling you to read the Bible as much as the Bible is telling you to go and pursue Jesus. It's about a person. The Bible is pointing you to someone. It's not just about memorizing verses and knowing things. It's knowing Jesus. So if you read the Bible especially in the Old Testament. There were times uh, when people went into captivity where an entire group of people were taken from one home to another home. This happened multiple times. And, and a lot of times what happened is when they were released from captivity and they came back home, there was this rediscovery of the law. You have this in the prophets. You have this in Nehemiah and Esther. And it's like what, did, what captivity did is oral stories continued, where people were cho- still trying to teach their children the ways of the Lord, but somewhere along the way in captivity, people forgot their story. And what happened in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, and you see this a few times throughout the Bible, 1 Samuel 3, 1 says, The word of the Lord was rare in those days, and visions were not widespread. Like, the word of the Lord was rare. I think you're supposed to read that and, like, pause for a moment and think, okay, what happens in my life sometimes when the word of the Lord is rare? Because there's still forms of captivity that can capture us today, where it strangles the discipline of staying connected and engaging the Word of God. Here are some uh, ways I've engaged the Word in my life that have have been helpful. Uh, I've shared with you kind of my testimony before. I was uh, it was the summer after my sophomore year of high school. I was almost 17 years old when the Lord just worked this wonder in my life, and I wasn't sure what. I wasn't sure what profession God was leading me into or what the calling, specific calling in my life was. I didn't really have preaching on my radar. I just knew at that point whether it was, I thought I would be coaching football because my football coaches at a public school in Dallas were the ones who, uh, who, who uh, God used to, to light my fire for Jesus. And they opened up scripture to me in these life-giving ways. And I thought football coaching is what I would do. And I, I, just, I didn't care what I did. I just know what I did I wanted to do for the Lord, whatever it was. And as I began to engage the word of God, kind of for the first time at the age of 16, I've been raised in a church my whole life. I can mem- memorize scripture, but where I really started feasting on the word for the first few weeks, I went to school and I would take my Bible with me, but I was reading the Bible because I would have conversations with my Baptist friends and Methodist friends. And I, and I wanted to be able to argue with them about the very few things that we, that were different, but I just, I, it didn't, it didn't fuel me. It didn't feed me almost sense God looking at me like shrugging his shoulders like, really, man, that's what you're going to give your life to? Like, it's got to be something better than that. And then I began to read the word of God for my own fulfillment and, and to know God and to help people know Jesus. And it wasn't just me in that high school, but there was this revival on our campus. We, wit- we witnessed a few dozen of our friends at a large public school in Dallas who were surrendering their lives to the Lord and there were Bible studies happening on our campus and multiple baptisms at one time almost every single week this beautiful movement of God and I just couldn't get enough of the Bible I just wanted to read it and know it and I was craving it I've had two Bibles in my life there was that one I had for about 5 years and there's this one I've had and I've been using since 2001 it's fallen apart last week I went and bought a brand new Bible and there's like something in me has died if you ever had that happen, like someone buys you a new Bible and you start reading it and you're like, man, there's that other one. I just know it. And it knows me and I know where I, I wrote things because I, sometimes I put dates next to a verse that comes to life for me. And I kept reading the word. But as I progressed in my life, as I get older, my, sometimes the way I engage scripture is different. I engage scripture every week to stand up here and to preach to you. And it's one of the greatest joys of my life because I open up a text and I hope you know you I want you to believe your preacher is taking the text seriously. And a lot of times it's one verse, it's one passage, it's one story I'm trying to unpack for you on a Sunday. And, it, and it's a verse I don't just read once, I read it over and over and over again because I want it to bring me to life. I want it to have its way with me. I want to wrestle with it. I need it to poke at me and challenge me. So as I wrestle with the text i get to ask questions about okay what does this mean for our church and what's the challenge here and i want to stand up but i I don't want you having a preacher who the only time he engages the word of god is to stand up here and preach i need some disciplines in my life so that i can be fresh and renewed and touched and transformed by god last year was the first year i I made it a goal in one year to read genesis through revelation i've read the whole bible a few different times in my life and never just genesis through revelation maybe that works for some of you I've tried it in the past, but when I've tried it in the past, like you get to like Leviticus, and that's like where that's the cemetery for Bible reading plans. You know, it's like where it's like where your annual Bible reading plan just goes to die. You get the numbers, and then you're like, man, you know, you get a week behind. You're like, I'll just, I'll never catch up. This year, one of my go, I want to, I want to read the New Testament twice this year, and I try to have a Psalm, one Psalm that I read over and over again throughout a week. Um, i've sat with multiple people this is so fun over the last few weeks some of you who have come to me and you've asked hey i i want to know the bible better where do i start I, and sometimes what we do is we're like man just start reading it's an awesome book but for someone who who maybe they haven't engaged the word of god ever in their life or it's been a while you look at how big that book is and you're like i just i don't really know where to start this summer if you're looking for a way to re-engage the word of god i would encourage you to do this read one gospel And I'll make it easy for you. I would either read Mark or Luke. Read Mark or Luke. Read the book of Ephesians. Read the book of James. And find one psalm that you can read and reread for one week. And then find another psalm that you can read and reread for one week. Let me help you with the psalms. There are 150 of them. Let me give you a few that I would read if I were you. Um, Psalm 24. Psalm 27. Psalm 34. Psalm 34 psalm 63 psalm 84 psalm 103 would you add another one of that psalm 150 all right chew on those and see what god will do uh, one thing i've done and this is pretty cool for me over the last few weeks i've been reading psalm 119 a lot psalm 119 is a lot it's the longest chapter in the bible by far it's one hundred seventy-six verses And here's what I've done. This has been so cool, all right? So I've told you before, one of the things I do throughout the week is I come in here and like no one's in here and it's my time to pray over the church. I know where most of you sit. Some of you throw me off because some of you right now, like you're sitting in a place where you usually don't sit and I want to call a timeout in my sermon or like rearrange people. I'm like, you don't belong there. You need me over here. Uh, But I know where a lot of you sit and I know things I can pray over you. But here's what's so cool is what I've done the last few weeks is I've taken Psalm 119 and I have a Bible app and I can listen to the Bible. And it's this cool, like, little uh, British accent, which you just put a British ac- accent on anything. It just sounds so cool, all right? So what I do is I listen to the Word. It takes 20 minutes for me to pace this room. And it takes about 19 minutes to listen to Psalm 119. So I would start in the back, and I would just make my way through, like, this section, then up and down and up. And I'd get, like, the whole room. And what is so cool is, like, Psalm 119, 176 verses. I would get into certain sections where a verse was just like speaking right over somebody I needed to pray for. Uh, there's a place in Psalm 119, early on in Psalm 119, how do young people keep their ways pure? It's by staying connected to the Word of God. And usually that was the verse I was reading while I was right back in the section where a lot of our young people sit. And, the, and Psalm 119 is so full. Almost every single verse talks about a connection to the Word of God. In fact, let me. uh, If you go to that Psalm one nineteen slide, look look right here. I just I put these up here. Now I'm reading from the NRSV. Maybe some of your Bibles, it's a different. So maybe uh, the the numbers would be off just a little bit. But in out of 176 verses, 25 of those verses talks about the law of the Lord. All right, and then you can see the words that are used. Almost every verse is full of it. It's about how do I how do I when enemies are coming after me. I've got to stay connected to the word when. People are pursuing me. I do not stray from your commands. This is the stuff that happens in Psalm 119. It's keeping people rooted in the word of God, the laws of God, the commandments of God that are supposed to keep me connected. Yet the very last verse in Psalm 119 is about him losing his way, but needing to stay connected. And I think that's cool. Like D- David's writing this, talking about how powerful the Word of God is in his life and how he needs to stand on it, yet it ends with him saying, but there's inside of me the propensity for me to take a lot of different turns in my life, so keep pulling me back to you. There's a word that's used in Psalm 119 a few times, six or seven times, and it's the word meditate. When you think meditate, maybe you think yoga, I don't know if you think like Buddhist monastery, all right? I I don't know. I want want to give you a way to think about meditate this morning that hopefully will help. The Psalms talk quite a bit about meditating on the words of God. Psalm 119 has a verse where David actually says, seven times a day I meditate on your word. Isaiah 34 also uses the same word. Isaiah 34, it's used in the context of a lion going after its prey. It's, it's in the context of a lion or a young lion going after its prey, meditating on its prey. Have you ever seen a dog go after a bone before? Okay, so Eugene Peterson talked about this word meditate, and he says the image that Isaiah 34 is getting at is like a dog going after a bone. When a dog goes after a bone, it's like nothing else in the world matters. And it's just, and it'll bury the bone and then go the next day and find the bone. And, it knows, and it'll just sit and for hours will chew on the bone, gnawing it, savoring it, trying to get everything out of that bone. If the dog eating the bone doesn't really connect with you, I just want you to think about your preacher eating ribs, all right? Because it's like the same thing. Going, when ribs are served in front of me, it's like conversations with Patrick Parson just need to stop. Give me 10 minutes so I can gnaw on my ribs. When I'm eating ribs and my kids are eating them and they only take a few bites and set it aside, I'm like, whoa, whoa, there's meat on that bone. And there's like $2 of meat on that bone, right? When you think about meditate, I want you to think about trying to savor everything there is that that bone or that the word of God has to offer. It's savoring, it's taking it in, it's wanting to get it inside of you. I've heard that people who are wine tasters can often taste wine and they've tasted so many different wines that they could almost, they could tell you like, this is from the West Coast. They can almost tell you the year that wine was made. It's pretty cool. And some of you may be able to do that with Diet Coke or coffee or something like that. One author says this when it comes to the Word of God that it does not always remain bent over his pages. Talking about someone reading the word, but he often leans back and closes his eyes over a line he has been reading again and its meaning spreads through his blood. I think how you enter into any moment to read the word is so vital to your spiritual health. That we don't just pick up the word and start reading. What is it you do right before you begin reading? Sometimes this is just 15 seconds worth. But how do you enter into the Word? Because I think you need to pause before you enter into the Word. And you need to ask God, God, let your Word take hold of me. God, inspire me. Bring me to life. God, stir something in me. Help me to remember what I learned. Because you're not trying to fall in love with the Word. You're trying to fall in love with God. And take a moment just to offer up a prayer. It's so vital. And not only that, how you leave a moment reading the Word is so vital to your spiritual health. That when you leave a moment that you need a pause. And just reflect on the Lord. Okay, God, uh, what I read today, what do I need to remember? Give me one word. Give me a phrase. What do I need to remember from this? Because sometimes, have you ever read the word and if somebody asked you three hours later what you read, you would have no clue? Like, I remember reading, but I don't remember. If I ask you this morning, what did you eat for breakfast? I bet almost all of you could tell me what you ate for breakfast. If I ask you what you ate for dinner last night, if I ask you what you ate for dinner Tuesday night, it might take you a few seconds, but you could probably remember. When we leave the word, when we're walking away from it, we're entering back into life, like, God, what do you want me to remember? So I don't forget it. Um, in South Korea, there are some churches that before they enter into church, people pause at the doors. And it's not that they believe that the, like the room that we worship in is a temple. It's that they pause and they bow on their knees and they'll touch their hand to their heart and they prepare themselves to hear a word from the Lord. There were Christians in the second and third century, though the word of God as we know it wasn't formed in the 66 books yet. There were some holy scriptures that people had a hold of, and not everyone could read then, but there were the imperial powers. There were the powers of the world who didn't like that some people had holy scriptures. And in the second and third centuries, they began knocking doors of the homes of Christians to ask for them to hand over their scriptures. And Christians were faced with decisions of, do we hand them over or do we keep them? And those who chose to keep them often meant their lives. It's how much they they loved and craved and knew they needed the Word of God. If people in this room would take 10 minutes of study instead of 10 minutes of surfing the web, and I'm not anti-surfing the web or surfing Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever your thing is. If you would take 10 minutes of study every day instead of 10 minutes of social media and just watch how your lives change, I think we'd have testimonies to tell. We struggle engaging the word of God because we're busy and we're distracted, we're bored, we're overwhelmed by it. Yet studies show that 98% of Americans, not just Christians, Americans think people should have access to the Bible. 90% of American households have at least one Bible in their home. That's still a lot of people in America who think, now they may not think the word is inspired like we do, but they believe that it's a book people should have access to. Yet, there's also the challenge of us being 2,000 to 3,500 years removed from the stories we read. And there's probably no other book in your life you read multiple times over and over and over and over again. So where do we begin? And how do we read Scripture to take it from there to here, to where it means something And one question I think the Lord has given me just in conversations over the last few weeks, do we really believe that the Bible helps us navigate life more faithfully? Because if we think that some how-to books and some TV shows we watch and some documentaries do that better, then why would we engage the Word of God? Does it help us navigate life more faithfully? One author said that the alternative to discipline is disaster that if we don't have some discipline in our lives, it can lead to disaster. And I don't want you to become so disciplined that your Bible reading plan or your spiritual disciplines become forms of legalism to where your heart's no longer in it. But there needs to be some discipline in our lives. We have disciplines in our lives for finances, for relationships, for how we spend time, and often we can form disciplines and have plans for almost everything but our spiritual health and development. And another guy said this, to know much and to taste nothing, of what use is that? We want to know it and we want to taste it. All right, so um, when, we are, when we are sick, where there, when there's disease in us, uh, there's medicines that we take to try to do away with the disease. And sometimes I think it's how we read the Bible. There's something we know in us that needs to go away and we read the Bible and I think the best way to know where to go in those moments is that you know the, you have the Bible in your heart. So, I mean, for me, if there's a day where I'm experiencing some unhealthy forms of emotions, I know Ephesians 4 is somewhere I need to go and read. If there's a day where I may be struggling with greed or materialism, I need to go to Matthew chapter 6. I need to see what Jesus has to say about this. So sometimes we read the Bible because we want it to speak into what we are struggling with in our lives You're dealing with stress. What does the Bible have to say about stress? You're dealing with greed What does the Bible have to say about greed? You're dealing with lust. What does the Bible have to say about lust? All right, but let me give you another way to read the Bible Uh, There are such things in life as probiotics and vitamins and i'm not up here advocating for for certain medicines I know this can be really sensitive subjects. All right people who take probiotics and vitamins is not because they're sick, it's because they want to prevent diseases from getting inside of them. And I think we need some disciplines to be in the Word of God so that we grow closer to God, so we fall in love with the author of the Bible, so that it prevents illnesses from coming in us because we have a core. So there's a story of two sons. Their dad owned a lot of land. Their dad died. And their dad had planted a fruit tree way out on their land. So the sons went out there one day to visit it. And there was fruit just all over this tree. And they tasted it and it was good. So the older son gathered up as much fruit as he could, put it in baskets and carried it home so he could enjoy it for a few days. But the younger son went and he took some tools and some equipment, uprooted the tree and went and planted it in his yard. So that there in his yard, it could grow and bear fruit and every day there could be fresh fruit for him for years to come. I don't want you just coming on a Sunday morning to hear a word from the Lord or to experience God or to read the Bible and then try to get that to sustain you throughout the week. I want you to believe that the word of God becomes a fruit tree that is with you anywhere you go. Bearing fruit so you can bear fruit. So we can be for God what he wants us to be in this world. Give us something to pray for you today. There's a way we can pray for your heart to be stirred, for your affections, for God to grow, for your hunger for the word of the Lord to grow. Give us some ways we can pray. So this morning, I want to ask if our leaders and prayer leaders, if you will, go to the places where you receive people. And we got a couple of songs we're going to sing. And I invite you to go and find one of these folks for prayer. If you want to bring something for this church or give a life to the Lord, please come up front. Kelly's up here to receive us. Randy's up here. We have a couple of tables if you want to go and just write something out and drop it in one of our prayer baskets. We're happy to receive those. We take those on Monday. We'll get them on Tuesday this week, and we'd love to pray over those. Let's stand together as a church, and let's pray.